Good morning, Hope Church. Really good to be with you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love and your compassion. And Father, we pray this morning as we look at your word that you would help us, that you would enable us, that you would speak to us and encourage us and remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's really good to be with you and we're continuing on our theme of faith in action. This is part five or week five. Last week we looked at the life of Noah. We learned that Noah was born in a world that was increasingly uh, wicked. He was part of the last generation before God destroyed all of humanity and yet he lived a righteous life. He trusted in God and through his trust, he saved his family, he saved all the animals and we have a future today because of what he did and how he lived in faith. This week, we look at one of the greatest figures in the Bible, uh, the mightiest man of faith, apart from Jesus, of course. Who is this man? We're talking about Abraham. Over the years, I've studied different aspects of Abraham. And whenever I study the theme of faith, it always leads to Abraham. Recently, in reading Matthew chapter 1, uh, I was surprised to find that the genealogy of Jesus doesn't start with Adam, but it starts with Abraham. It doesn't even start with Noah, who you might have thought it would start with as he was the first one after the flood, but it starts with Abraham. And I've wondered often, why is it that it starts with Abraham? And it's really clear the Bible teaches that Abraham is the father of all those who have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we need to have faith in Jesus. And so it's really fitting that Abraham is at the head of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We find this in Romans chapter 4. Now, Romans 4 is one of the most important chapters we find on faith. If you want to see faith in action, then read Romans 4 as it talks about Abraham. We're going to read Romans 4 verse 9 to 17. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgressions. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, 
not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. And God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So anyone who has faith has Abraham as his father. This is why he is the head of Jesus's genealogy. Let's turn now to Hebrews 11, 8 to 12, where we will read about Abraham, the man of faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. Abraham is a unique character. His life covers the chapters of 11 to 25 in Genesis. That's nearly 14 chapters. He dies at the beginning of chapter 25. We're not going to read those this morning or would be here all morning just reading those, but I'd encourage those of you who want to learn about his life of faith to read them when you have time. We can't realistically cover the life of Abraham here this morning, so we're going to cover the aspects that the writer to Hebrews mentions in terms of faith. Abraham has three acts of faith in this passage. The first is leaving his home without knowing where he is going. The second is making his home as a stranger in the land that God has promised. And the third is believing that God would provide him and his wife a son, even though they were past childbearing age. And in Hebrews, Sarah is included as a woman of faith alongside as Abraham, the man of faith. Let's look at these in detail. The first was Abraham leaving home with no destination in sight. This first act of faith is so typical of faith in general. All faith starts here. It starts with believing what God has said and then acting upon it. Even when we don't know where we'll end up, how many of us have been in that position? God says something. God doesn't give us the outcome. We can't work it out. It's risky. What do we do? Well, let me tell you what we do. We follow Abraham. What did Abraham do? He didn't know the answer. He didn't know where he was heading, but he launched out and he followed where God wanted him to go. We need to be those who are obedient to God as Abraham was. Abraham believed the promise that God had given and his destination when he arrived became the home of Israel for many generations. And today they are living in that land that God has promised them. Isn't that an amazing thing? So from one man who believed God, we find that there is a nation that is around today that are here because of his faith. 
The second area we'll look at is where Abraham made a home in a strange land. Now this follows the previous act of faith. First, he launched out not knowing what the outcome was. But secondly, not only did Abraham leave his home and his family, but once he got to the promised land, he claimed it. He pitched his tent on it. He believed God when God said, this is now your land and the land of your descendants. He believed it even though his descendants did not yet exist, which we'll look at point three. Now, Abraham was a stranger in that land. He didn't belong. He was a foreigner, but he stayed. And this is often a second part in our faith with God, camping in the promise that God has made. God tells us to do something, to trust in him. We launch out and we feel that we don't belong in claiming the promise and we want to return home but God wants us to make our home in his promise. Let me tell you, Abraham could easily have returned home to Haran, but he would have missed God's promise for him and his descendants would have missed God's promise. All too often we turn back before the promise has been fulfilled. Did Abraham see the promise? No. He just saw his son who was born of a miracle and he trusted that that was enough. He didn't see Israel become a nation, but he knew that if God promised it, God would fulfill it. Perhaps you find yourself a stranger in trying to believe God's promise to you. Well, you're in good company. Set up your tent and believe. Trust in God and you will see that God will make it come to pass. It's a big challenge for us in faith. Over this time, I'm learning more and more that faith is about our knowledge of God, not our possession of things. The third act of faith that Abraham did was believing God for a son. God's promise to Abraham about inheriting the land, it being for his descendants and his offspring, all hinged on him having a son. There's no point inheriting the land if there are no children to take it over. This last act of faith is the most stunning. For 25 years, Abraham and Sarah trusted God for a son. They started believing at 75 years of age. And the promise came to pass when Sarah was 99 and when Abraham was 100. Think about it, 25 years waiting for something and every year made it more humanly impossible. Even in those times, people knew it was impossible to have a child at 100. We might think, ah, oh, they lived longer. Sarah died at 127, not massively different from today. But childbearing was not possible after 75. And yet for 25 years, both Abraham and Sarah persistently believed. Let me ask you this morning, are you still believing the promises God gave to you last year? five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Don't give up, stick with it. Our God is faithful. God has never ever failed to deliver on a promise. But many people have never received the promise because they have walked away before the due date. So the son was born. Abraham and Sarah loved him and we could quite happily end the story here and say they lived happily ever after. 
But faith doesn't finish. Faith continues year upon year. And the sun grew. And in Genesis 15 verse 4, God promises that Abraham's son Isaac was going to be his heir that he would inherit not only the possessions, but he would also inherit the promise and covenant of God about the land that Abraham had claimed. This means that the son Isaac is linked to the fulfillment of God's promise. And God confirms that in Genesis 17 and 19. We now come to the subtext in the story, a further step of faith that was required. It starts in Genesis 22 when we read that it says some time later. We don't know how long that was, but we do know that by this time Isaac is old enough to walk and talk and to carry wood. In Genesis 22 verse 2, this is what God says to Abraham. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Think about this for a moment. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. This meant killing him and burning him on an altar, hence the wood that they took. And God also highlights to Abraham, your son whom you love. Now, some have speculated that even God's promises and their fulfillment and his blessings can take a wrong place of love in our hearts. And sometimes God has to remove those from us. Let me ask you a question. If you were Abraham and after 25 years, you'd received the promise, which was a son. And then some years later, God says to you, sacrifice that son. What would you do? Many would say, that's not God, that's the devil speaking. But it wasn't the devil, it was God speaking to him. God provided for Abraham, and now it looked like he was, that Isaac was being taken away. Let me tell you something. We should never ever use human reasoning as a way to make our decisions. Faith and human reasoning do not work together. That's not because we throw reasoning out the window, but reasoning requires knowing all of the outcomes and the whole plan and everything that's going on. And very often God doesn't tell us all of that. This was God. And it was about what God had given to Abraham. And so we hit this question, what do we do? We would probably drag our feet at this thought of what we need to do. Here we read what Abraham did in Genesis 22, verse three to five. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham acted on what God said early the next morning. He didn't dither, he didn't dally, he didn't drag his feet. He jumped into action on what God had said because he knew who God was. He had faith and trust in the character and nature of God. 
He prepared everything he needed for the sacrifice. When Abraham found the place of sacrifice, he left his servants behind. Let me tell you, faith means that we often have to walk the road alone. We cannot take anyone with us. It is something that is between us and God. We walk there on our own and we trust God on our own. We cannot live by other people's faith. So Abraham builds an altar. He has a very difficult conversation with his son where his son says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? But even there, he acts in faith and he says to his son, God will provide, which incidentally is what that mountain was known for afterwards by the Jewish people, that God would provide when you were on that mountain. Abraham ties up his son, places him on the altar, and he lifts his knife to kill him. And at that point, God's angel stops him. And there was a ram caught in a nearby thicket and that gets sacrificed in, instead. But out of all of this, what has been achieved? Abraham has been tested. And God and now Abraham both know that Abraham will withhold nothing from God. Even what is most precious to him would be sacrificed and given to God. Let me tell you, this is true brokenness. Brokenness is when we are willing to give God our whole lives and everything from our family, our children, everything to God. And God reaffirms his covenant with Abraham. This is why Abraham is the father of all those who had faith, because he showed extreme faith in a situation with God. So what are the takeaways from this this morning? Well, let me tell you, first of all, faith is not easy. I've been learning and looking at the lives of, of Abel and Enoch and Noah and now Abraham. They didn't have an easy life. Their life was no easier than ours. Often their lives were harder. And yet it was their trust in God that took them through. And so let me tell you, what do we learn? We learn that faith is not easy. We learn that promises can be a long time coming. For Sarah and for Abraham, the promise took 25 years. But it's about trusting in God. It's not even about receiving the thing promised. It's about trusting in God. If we truly know the character of God, we know that he will do it. And therefore, there is no need for us to doubt whether we see it or whether we don't see it. I have so many times seen promises come to pass outside of the lifetime of the one it was promised to, but God was faithful. We also see that we have to camp out on the promise that God gives us and not return home. You know, we, we in great joy take a promise that God gives to us and we begin to act upon it. But as it seems to be a long time in coming, we begin to pack up our tent and go home. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't go back. Don't go back in faith. Stay where you are on the promise of God. Keep believing, keep drawing closer to God because you will know that he will supply what he has promised. We also learn that we might need to sacrifice what God gives to us back to him. God may require us to give that gift back. He may require us to uh, give back what we have waited so long for him to do. Why? Because it's about trusting in him.
It's about us being humble people who recognize that he is the provider and all belongs to him. Finally, we learn that God will test us to see if we will withhold anything from him. And I do mean anything. Let me challenge you about that this morning. We say that we love God. We say that he is number one in our lives. Would you give him your wife or your husband, your children, your job, your wealth? Would you give God everything that you possess and have and are? God may well test us to see if he is really first in our lives. Remember, it says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. And if we love God like that, everything else plays second fiddle to him. That is genuine faith. Genuine faith recognizes that we need to remove anything that has a higher place than God in our hearts. And so this morning we've seen an amazing example of Abraham and Sarah, trusting God over many years and trusting God in hard times. And yet they came out victorious with the promise. They never saw it come to pass. They didn't see the nation of Israel established, but they knew the God who promised and therefore they knew it was as good as if they already had it. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Let's follow Abraham and Sarah in faith. Let's receive all that God has promised. Let's not give up before the time. Let's push through in difficult circumstances because we know that he is faithful who has made the promise. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that every promise that you give is yes and amen. I want to thank you that we uh, have no reason to doubt you. You are the God who is true and just. In you there is light and no darkness at all. And Father, we know that you have kept every promise. We know that every time we see a rainbow, it reminds us of a 6,000-year-old promise that you have made. And so, Lord, I want to pray this morning that you would enable us. I pray for those watching this morning that where there is a promise that seems to have waned, I want to pray that you would be renewed in hope today. God is faithful. Camp out on the promise. Keep believing it. Keep bringing it back to God. Keep trusting in him and he will bring it to pass. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are the God of all faith. And Father, I pray, give us the faith of Abraham and Sarah. Help us to walk in their footsteps as faithful men and women of God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you and have a really great day.